Hey everyone, this is the Skull Crusher. Today's episode, uh, it's gonna be a little weird. We had some technical difficulties, and by that I mean I'm an idiot and I must have done something wrong. Mike and Natalia's voice are mixed very, very low for some reason, and Mike sometimes is completely inaudible. So I apologize, we apologize ahead of time, but I'm the one that does most of the BSing anyway, so you'll be able to hear my annoying voice throughout. Uh, but if there's weird spaces where nobody talks, that's probably because Mike is saying something. Uh, so again, we apologize, but we hope you enjoy it anyway. And um, yeah, I guess this is going to have to do for an intro. And we are back with what I believe to be episode 130 of the Speed Metal Cycling Podcast. And I can tell you that this is the first episode after the very first time that I heard the podcast without me being part of it. Joining me today are ladies first, Natalia. How are you doing, lady? Hello. And Mike. I'm doing oh, very well. Are you doing better than Klaus? Uh, I don't know, because Klaus is traveling, so that depends if he's traveling to a cool place or not. He is traveling to a cool place, so I can tell okay, you that right I'm, now. I'm not better than Klaus. No, no, no. And Mike, how are you doing? Better than Klaus. Of course you are, because it doesn't really matter where Klaus is traveling to, Mike is always going to be better. So, um, you guys know Menudo, right? The band, Menudo, from the 80s, from Puerto Rico? Yep. I mean, they're still around, but, you know, they were really big in the 80s. And what do you mean they're still around? Yeah, they're still around. I find that impossible to believe. No, 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 they are. They, they continue to change members, you know, like... Oh, I was going to say they were like 60 years old. Uh, no, actually, one of their very first members, I mean, pretty much all their, their, their members through the 80s be, became really famous, obviously, and they've all gone through pretty, to having pretty much, like, pretty good careers. Like, Ricky Martin, you know, obviously he has a career, it, but the guy that writes all the songs for him is Robbie Rosa, who was another member of Menudo. And uh, another guy, Johnny, he's now a famous presenter for like a morning show and stuff. Like, I mean, they all did pretty well. But anyway, I remember once, like when I was a little kid, my sister was obsessed with this guy. So I would hear about him all the time. And one of them saying that when he was replaced, he got to see a Minuto show as an audience member. And said it was the weirdest thing ever to see something that he was such a big part of and then he wasn't anymore. And that's how I felt when I was in Scandinavia, and I I heard the, the podcast without me. It was it was very weird, and and I cried a little bit. You did. You no. cried because there was rap music at the beginning. Yeah, I cried because of that too, but uh, mostly because uh, I I felt a little left out. And then, oh, no, that's okay. But then a huge Viking showed up, and then just beat the shit out of me, and then I stopped crying. <laughs> <laughs> We're glad to have you back because I will say it's not easy. I did not realize how hard it was. I can't believe that you took the mantle of trying to uh, drive the podcast as opposed to Klaus. I thought that Klaus would be... I know. I don't know what happened there. Yeah, I think that was a missed opportunity there, Come man. Come on, Mike. You volunteered for it. Oh, okay. No, I, mean, I, think, I think you did a pretty good job. Um, the first thing I noticed was, of course, that he was short. Because it was quick and to the point. There was no rambling. 
So that's the other thing that made me cry a little bit was the fact that it made me realize that the only thing that I bring to this podcast is just the senseless rambling. And there goes my phone. So it was it, it was a, a, a sad revelation that it can definitely go on without me and that it would probably be better if it did. We've already we've already franchised it. I heard. Yeah. So we'll do this one <laughs> and then the next one will be one thirty and a half. And then I will you guys will do all the in-betweens. People will know that the end the halves are the good episodes to listen to, and they'll just skip the ones with me. Um, that, I wanted to say that. I also wanted to say that I want to thank everybody that contacted me, all the listeners that contacted me while my trip uh, through Scandinavia with recommendations and invitations to meet up and to ride and um, all that stuff. So we got to actually eat in very cool places and drink beer in amazing places uh, because of people's recommendations. So I really appreciate it. And it's obvious that people love their cities, you know? I mean, obviously, not obviously, but a lot of times people like the city that they live in. So it was really cool to see people like, oh my God, you're in my city. You definitely got to try filling the blanks. So we got recommendations for pancakes, beer, food, writing. It was great. And we were supposed to meet up with two people. And just because of scheduling crap, we weren't allowed, we weren't able to do that. But I want to just thank everybody for all that stuff. It's really weird to think that, you know, I mean, whenever it was six years ago or whatever, I started like recording my dumbass self rambling about something that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And then you know, six years later, I'm getting like people like recommending me stuff when I'm traveling. So um, I travel a lot. So who knows? Maybe I'll come to your town next. <clears throat> Are you going to cry? Are you going to cry? I'm waiting for it here. <laughs> How do you know I'm not crying already? <laughs> because you turned the video off. So <laughs> <laughs> this is why. No, nah, I'm going to tell you something, dude. You know what? You know what really almost made me cry was Norway. What a frigging country. Jesus. I loved that place. Amazing. My favorite two things in the whole trip were uh, the fjords in Norway and the um, and Copenhagen, which it, it blew my mind how much I liked that town, even though I went in not really expecting much. So, uh, okay. All right, that's it. So we have a bunch of stuff to talk about. Obviously, we have Natalia to tell us about uh, the ladies. And I can tell you, too, that I did watch the Philadelphia ladies race. I watched it on the TV, and it was a pretty good race. And I have plenty of thoughts about women racing in general, by the way. So when we get to that, I'll say some stuff. Then we have the, in order, in chronological order, we have the Criterium de Dauphiné. By the way, that's probably the first time I ever call it what it's by its rightful name, as opposed to <laughs> the Dauphiné Libre. Yeah. Uh, then we have the Rue de Sud, and we have the Tour de Suisse. So, do you guys want to get started right away, or do you guys want to talk about anything else? Maybe you guys have questions for me. Hey, you know what I was thinking about, actually? Completely aside from absolute low. Oh, and I finished fifth. Man, there's like a thousand thoughts in my head. I'm sorry. I finished fifth in the Giro d'Italia Fantasy League. 
Congratulations. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Fifth, you know who did it for me? Diego Lisi. That was a good pick. All right, so that's that. And then I forgot what the other thing was. Oh, shoot. I don't even remember where we're going with any of this. Um, I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? Uh, you guys have anything to say before we uh, dive into the Criterium de Dauphiné? No, I was at the women's Philly race. Oh, you were at the, that's right. You went to Philly. Yeah. You went to Philly. That's crazy. I did not see you on TV. Uh, uh -oh. no, Mike was hiding on purpose. It's really hard to look for him. Right? You, no. you know what, um, Mr. Spriggs? I was thinking that I probably saw you, but you were in your infamous disguise the sunglasses with the nose and the, I mean, the glasses and the nose with the mustache, the, the Groucho Marx. These guys, I saw. I saw a couple of those, and I'm sure you were one of them. <laughs> Works every time. Were you at the Dauphiné? Yes. No, oh, you were also at the Dauphiné. Yeah, I, I also didn't see you. Okay, I didn't take any notes for the Dauphiné because I started watching that while I was still in Scandinavia, and so I. I have. I have notes. I have notes for the Dauphiné. Okay. You see, I, I'm taking notes. So That's I'm watching these races now. The uh -huh. races. Yeah. I have like these little notebooks. Yeah. I'm taking notes. That's what I do. What am I doing? What am I doing? You know, I what are you doing? You're being you're being awesome. That's what you're doing. That's what you should be doing. Okay, okay so uh, just to refresh our memory, the Criterion du Dauphiné, uh, Christopher Froome won it, uh, Roman Bardet was second, Daniel Martin was third, Richard Port was fourth, and Alberto Contador was fifth. Stage winners were Contador won the prologue, Buhani, Jesus Serrada, Aru, Bosenhagen, Froome, Thibaut Pino, and Stephen Cummings. So maybe that'll jolt my memory a little bit, but I just remember that Aru didn't do very well in the couple, first couple of stages, and then he came in and like won the third stage. The Bosenhagen stage, I remember I did not watch. I know that. Who was that guy? What's that? Who's Bosenhagen? Who's that guy? Yeah. I don't, uh, he used to <laughs> ride a long time ago. Uh, for like really good teams, and now he just rides for some crappy teams. I don't blame you for not knowing who he is. Don't worry about it. Um, what <laughs> notes? What notes do you have on this, Natalia? Okay, so I have one about Buhani, the headbutt. Oh. The, that like, that sprint that he won, and it was interesting because people took to Twitter, like the same writers took to Twitter to you know just like mentioned how they thought they was so freaking dangerous. Uh, and Andre Greipel actually ran a poll, in, like the Twitter <laughs> poll. So he ran a poll and let me look for it. He said, oh yeah, fair play sprint at the Dauphine. And he had two options, yes yeah. or no. So if you didn't see it, tell me how many people you think said yes and how oh. many people said no in percentages. Because it's, it, because it's Twitter and people are like complete haters on Twitter, I will say 90% said no. Okay. Mike? I was going to say something like that. 75%. Oh, Mike. Almost. Almost. 74%. 74%. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, obviously stuff like that happens. It's always going to happen. And, I mean, the guys may be like, dude, we know what we're doing. We're not going to take each other out. But... In case you do, you're not only ruining your own race, but everybody behind you who's going 
full speed. You've seen those crazy crashes during sprints. They're ridiculous. And most of them obviously are accidents. So if you break your ass and you can't continue the next day in a stage race, that sucks. If it's an accident, then you know what are you going to do? But if it's a couple of chumps over there trying to like be all macho about their shit, then, you know, I, I think that those people should be fined. I don't know. Yeah, so, well, he got a lot of fun. Then he followed that up saying that somebody got kicked out of the Tour de France for doing something similar. And for a lot less. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. definitely. definitely. But these are the same people, you know. The Dauphiné people are the Tour people. So, yeah, I don't know. That was, that was uh, interesting, shall we say. Interesting. Okay. Uh, also, for what's the most important part of the, the, the Dauphiné, the way that I look at it is to see who is actually in, 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 in good form and who isn't. I mean, Chris Froome had an off day, but Jesus, I mean, he dominated this race. I mean, Sky did a really good job. Super, super strong. Roman Bardet, I mean, well, wow. it's, it's incredible. I mean, he's, when everybody, when I was thinking actually, oh, Quintana, I mean, he's going to have the best team in the tour. I don't know. <laughs> Sky has a pretty damn good team. But Roman Bardet, Roman Bardet came out of nowhere, I can tell you that too. I mean, I was very, very happy to see. I like it when French people do well in, in stage races. I really like it. And Daniel Martin, who is just amazing because he has like the world's worst teeth. Um, I like it when he does well. He's just, wow. I mean, the fact that, see, all of these Colombian riders in the last couple of years have all had braces. And then Daniel Martin looks at him and is like, eh, fuck it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Richie Port in, in great shape as well, but the usual Richie Port, like almost there, but not really. And Contador, a little surprising that he wasn't in better shape, honestly. I, I thought that by now he'd be a lot farther along. Um, and he didn't really look, I mean, Froome got the best of him twice during the race. I mean, I think a good sign is that this race was close. You know, top five or 35 seconds apart. Yeah. Which is, it bodes well for the tour, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the other thing, a guy like Port, you know, you may watch him and be like, oh, I looked a little inconsistent, but like he could be holding back or just like trying to test what his limits are. Yeah, maybe. I just. With Contador, too, maybe. I don't, I don't know. Contador doesn't seem that kind of guy. I don't think that Contador has a poker face. Contador is all out or not at all. It seems to me. I mean, I don't know. I've never met the man, of course, but. Uh, with Richie Port, though, it seemed to me like the, the typical Richie Port looks really, really good, is always there, but can never attack. There's always that one attack that he can't follow the wheel. There's just that one little step that he's missing. And I think that the, the one year that he had it all together and he could have done something is the year that he was working for Froome and Sky. And he, that was his year to win, and, and he threw it away, basically. He, there's nothing he could do about it. So, I mean, I don't know. That's just always, I think of Richie Port as the, like, guy that almost but didn't, which is really sad because if you think about it, there's been guys like that in cycling history all throughout, and we don't know their names. We don't remember their names. You know, we'll remember Christopher Froome. We'll remember Alberto Contador. We'll remember Daniel Martin because of his teeth. Nobody will remember Richie Port unless, obviously, he, he gets that that big win. Not, not nobody. You know, you guys know what I mean. And people will remember Richie Poor, like his family will, you know, but. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. Zing. So, 
was this the race that the Sky people were using to try to get spots for the Tour de France? Because I thought I read somewhere that Landa and Enao, and I don't remember who was the other one, they were supposed to like kind of show off so they could be selected for the Tour de France. I, this race and in the other one, the Tour de Suisse. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, like, I... Is it? Because I, I was picturing this whole, you know, like yellow rose ceremony. <laughs> where Chris Froome just starts handing roses, roses to be selected for the sticks. I don't... Like, at I, the end. <laughs> I don't know how guys, I mean, how how teams select their, their, their teams for, for a race like the Tour de France, but I would be very surprised if they pick them based on how they did in a race, you know, a month out. I think that... And, and I mean, you know, a lot of it has to do, of course, with with who who Chris Froome feels um, comfortable with and all that stuff. I don't remember exactly what the team in Dauphiné who it was, but I would be surprised if more than two guys change from from that. I mean, I think that those are the guys that, that Chris Froome feels the most comfortable with. Was Kirienka in that? No, Kirienka was in. Um, Kirienka, and Geraint Thomas were in the Tour de Suisse. In the Tour de Suisse, I don't, I don't see Geraint Thomas having a, a spot in that. Not because he wouldn't be great, but I, I, there's just way too many. There's just God. Sky is just such a packed team. Um, let me see. Oh man, it's gonna take me five minutes to find who was in. Okay, so while you in the do that, okay, you tell in me. The I just want to see. I'm just going to start rambling about my notes here. Oh, from the Dauphiné. Okay, go for it. Yeah, for the Dauphiné. So the other one, yeah, my second note is who is Boston Hagen? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna look up when was the last time that he had won anything, and I totally forgot to. But no, he's probably won like smaller races. I'm sure. I think he won like a couple of stages in the Tour of Norway, even so. I mean, yeah, but oh, okay. Here we go. Here's a, here's the sky for the Dauphiné. Froome, uh, Sergio Enao, Mikael Piatowski, Mikel Landa, Walt Poles, Salvatore Puccio, Luke Rowe, and Ian Stannard. Ah, uh, shoot! Out of all these guys, I would say maybe Salvatore Puccio could be changed, but he's no, you know. I would probably actually change Kiatowski too. <laughs> now, now that I'm looking at this, it's like, wait a second. His team were in now Landa, Wild Poles did a great job too, uh, and Luke Rowe. But I, mm, I don't know. Let me see who Movistar had. Oh no, that's right. They didn't even try. This is like, like their B team: Francisco Ventoso, Dyer Quintana, Mark Soler, who is unbelievable. Antonio Pedrero, Nelson Oliveira, Jesus Herrada, Ruben Fernandez, and Danny Moreno. Um, yeah, it wasn't really a good, a good thing. So maybe the Sky team wasn't really as solid as I thought it was, but it looked solid, which I guess is the important part. So maybe a lot of times when I would see like, my goodness, he still has like three guys. It was just three dudes whose names I don't even, I wouldn't, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't know. I mean, of course, I would know. I just read all the team. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody that I wouldn't expect there, that I wouldn't expect they're doing that well. Let me see. This is from the Tour de Suisse. Garen Thomas, Ian Boswell, 
Michael Golash, Leopold Koenig, Vasil Kirienka, uh, David Lopez, Christian Knez, and Danny Van Poppel. So, I mean, yeah, basically there, I would take, I would take Kirienka and Gary, and Gary Thomas. If, it, uh, I, maybe not even Gary Thomas, but definitely Kirienka, maybe Koenig. And if I had to take somebody else, it'll be between Michael Golash and Ian Boswell. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let the Sky people know. Yeah, I mean, actually, yeah, I just, I just uh, hey dudes at sky.com. I just sent them the email. <laughs> but, yeah, but, but, this is a little suggestion based on what we have seen. This, uh, this should be your, your team for the Tour de France. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, they listen to the podcast too, anyway, so they're probably just. Yeah, okay. So yeah, like, we don't have to like, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. Next, I Next. have that in the Queen's page, there was very nice invisible racing that nobody could see. So you know, it was just like when Contador started attacking uh-huh. and the TV wasn't there and a lot of people show frustration in Twitter, like it's ridiculous that we are not seeing you know, like the attacks and things that are going on in the first part of the stage. And I just want to say, now you can feel my pain, people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, God, this is a really long story. I'm gonna try to make it short, but um, I was. Uh, this is like 1980, maybe in 87, right before Luis Herrera won the Vuelta España, or 88, the year after. Um, I was playing soccer during the summer, and I went for a bicycle kick and landed on my hand and broke it. And uh, so they put it in a cast, of course, but they, they put the cast on wrong. So my bones were basically like healing super bad and it was going to cause all kinds of problems with my arm and my hand and all this stuff. So they had to basically do a surgery where they had to like re-break my arm and then reset it and do all these things, whatever. So they said, all right, dude, the, the, the surgery is going to be like, I don't know, whatever, July 12th. I can't remember. And I was like, actually, I have it written down when, when it was. And they were, I was like, yeah, that's the Alpe d'Huez stage in the Tour de France. Uh, no way. And my mom was like, that's the only day. The doctor said this. The doctor said that. You can only do it then. I was like, I don't care. I'm not getting surgery on that day because I want to watch the race. So my mom said, listen, we'll tape it for you. Right? Yeah, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Fine, whatever. I was crying in the hospital. And the doctor, the surgeon, was like, you know, what's going on? Why is he crying? And he heard what the problem was. So then the doctor was like, listen, I'm a cycling fan as well. And so I'm going to have the radio on with the tour. So don't worry about it, you know. And I'm an idiot. I was like, I don't know, 10 years old or something, 12 years old. Oh, okay, you're going to have it on. That's cool then. Not realizing I'm going to be under, so I'm not going to be able to hear. Whichever way. Uh, Surgery happens i'm super sensitive to anesthesia so i'm throwing up for the next like 24 hours and finally i calm down everything's all good and i get to like pull out the tape and watch the stage and because of weather the stage was nothing but fog basically okay it worked out it worked out it didn't work out i didn't get to see the stage (laughs) uh I didn't. I did. I, I basically got to see exactly what everybody else saw, except I threw up, uh, and they didn't. But 
yeah, I don't know. Every time they, they cut away because of weather and the plane not being able to fly or the helicopters not being able to fly or whatever, it always makes me kind of chuckle in the same way that, that what you said, Natalia. You're, you're like, oh, this is how women's rising is all the time. You, get to, you have to close your eyes and imagine what's happening. Um, a lot of times I think like this is it's, it's the friggin' weather. There's nothing anybody can do about it. And yeah, of course it sucks. But complaining about it and like, oh, I can't believe that the race organizers would allow this to happen. Oh, yeah, because I forgot the ASO are fucking gods or have a direct line to Thor. Or, you know, it's just, I don't know, not Thor Hushoft. I meant Thor the God of Thunder. Okay. But, okay. I'm okay. glad that you clarified that. <laughs> you never know. Oh, that's the other thing. That's the other thing about Norway. The whole time I was in Norway, I did not see Thor Hushaft once. <laughs> I did see the Crown Prince. I saw the Crown Prince of Norway, though. I'll tell you that right now. We were in a in a in a museum randomly, and then one of the ladies that works in the museum goes, "Oh, the prince is gonna be here at 11. And I'm like, "What do you mean, prince? Prince is dead." No, the prince, the Crown Prince of Norway, is gonna be here at 11. I'm like, "What? Why?" We have a jubilee. And I was like, what the fuck is a jubilee? You mean like the X-Men jubilee, girl? And uh, no. So whatever. We waited and then he came out and stuff. And yeah, it was a super small crowd, maybe 20 people. And we were right there. I could have reached out and touched them. No. The guy entered your surroundings? No. But I can tell you this. This guy was wearing, I'm sure they were in Dockers, but basically he was wearing Dockers and a pair of Nikes. It was like, he was just a dude. It was pretty cool. And then after the rest of the, the rest of the like two, three days that we were in that area, people were like, oh, you know, the prince, the crown prince was here. And we were like, yeah, I know. We saw him. Every single woman, old, young, whatever. He's handsome. He's very handsome. And I was like, yeah, he's handsome. He's not an ugly dude. I can tell you that. He really isn't. But handsome? Uh, I, I mean, uh, he will be king. Every, exactly exactly he is a prince a crown prince this this dude is going to be the king of norway so i mean yeah sure there's a little bit of appeal to him but no thor hushoft but yes to hakan i think his name is hakan the crown prince of norway so yeah, yeah, yeah. no idea man i'm not into royalty i i me neither i didn't even know that norway had a king i mean i, I guess it wasn't a surprise when i found out that there was one but okay anyway uh dauphine go ahead Okay, so the next is about some crash that happened, uh, and I don't have the stage, I'm sorry, but there was a crash, and then it, it was a crash that made some time differences. Yes. There was not supposed to be like there, so the GC time was just like... And then Dan Martin, in this case, was the one that took to Twitter and then proposed that GC time should just be taken at the... Three kilometers. kilometers. <sighs> that's it. Yeah. Like, you should take GC time. Now I remember this. Like three kilometers to go. He was proposing that. It is a shame that he didn't do a Twitter poll, though. Because I <laughs> yeah, it's a shame <laughs> that he did. Let's have a... Dan Martin doesn't believe in democracy. He is, yeah, he's exactly. He's a, he's a dictator. Yeah. Um, yeah. But let's have a podcast. At, uh, uh, what do you call that thing? The thing that you just said. Poll. Let's have a podcast poll. Yeah. Do you think that the, you think that the time should be taken at a three k to go? No. Nope. Mike. Nope. Nah, me neither. 
I think the race is to that line. And if we're going to be sticklers about the stage is 202 kilometers, that's what the stage should be. And that's what the time should be. I don't even like time bonuses, to be honest. I know that that livens, livens up the race quite a bit, but I'm a bit of a purist when it comes to that. And I understand why Daniel Martin is saying it. It makes perfect sense. Let's get all the people that don't care out of the way. That way, all these maniacs that are going to start headbutting each other and like punching each other can just go over there and like die. And who gives a shit? But that's not cycling. You're just going to have to figure it out. And I know that I'm obviously, I have a very, um, yeah, what am I? I'm, I'm, I'm very unimportant uh, opinion about this because, you know, I mean, obviously I'm not one of the 190 other dudes or 150 other dudes that are in there. Like, but yeah, I don't know. I just don't, I don't like it. Deal with it. It's, it's racing. Just, just paint. Yeah. Just paint the finish line. Then at the three kilometers, <laughs> just shorter them. <laughs> yeah. Make, make every stage from now on three kilometers shorter. That's it. or you know what come to think of it what if actually it goes the other way what if the stage is 201 kilometers or let's make it a, a shorter stage what if the stage is 150 kilometers everybody crosses the line and then after the 150 kilometers there's another extra Five kilometers that you can choose to do or not do. If you want to stop, you stop, and then you. Sp- I predict a lot of people crashing into photographers. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just grab the, the <laughs> just grab the photographers, and you basically move everything. Let's not make it five k. Let's make it three k. You move, you move so everything three k. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So basically, it's exactly the same thing that Daniel Martin is proposing, except call it the Martin line. No, because what he was saying, what he was saying is that the the the, the Martin line is three k before the finish. The Skullcrusher line is three k after the finish. <laughs> basically, the exact same thing, except you just call the two lines different things. <laughs> revolutionizing cycling here oh, i'm sorry natalia but we've been revolutionizing cycling since 2009 in this place <laughs> i revolutionized cycling when i wrote a poem about um um shoot uh lauren jalabert like in one of the okay. first episodes so please uh okay what else do you have about the criterium de dauphine okay well this is more like uh, things that happen in the podium the first thing is that I started noticing that some 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 of the cyclists kiss the mascot that they are being given, like the stuffed animal. Yes. So, like Contador kiss uh, kiss the stuffed animal, and uh, who else? No, I was paying attention from Dylan. Pino kiss the the cow that he got. Uh, oh, that cow is super cute, by the way. Yeah, yeah, he kissed. Very, very so cute. Contador kissed the little lion. Did not kiss the little cow. I didn't see from kissing anything, and then it got me thinking: Do you know if people actually kiss 
the piglet that they get at Troglodyon. <laughs> that would be awesome, and I'm <laughs> sure, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's happened. <laughs> you can like use yeah. a piglet. That that'd be nice. That's but. a good way to get uh, E. coli. No trichinosis. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, piggies are so, super yeah, cute. I would, I would yeah, kiss it. Now I'm paying I would attention. Kiss it. I'm paying attention about this top animal protocol. Well, I can tell you this about I want to see who was in Sweden. About the protocol. I think it was I think it was a Dauphiné, but it could have been the Tour de Suisse, but I can't remember. The podium girl on the left that was there all the time, her legs were so skinny. It was like scary. Like super scary. And I know that women are obviously and as, as some men are as well very particular about the way that they look and you shouldn't make fun of them and stuff like that and everything. but I was about to find out her Twitter account and like ask her if she needs a sandwich or something because her legs were like two broomsticks it was very sad I thought like nobody's feeding this poor girl but I don't remember if it was in the Dauphiné or not I'll, I'll pay attention I'll pay attention you and don't? the other thing that I have regarding podium podium sorry are broom styled with the baseball hat Ugh. The ears under the baseball hat. I know, he looks like such a goon. Weird, but like, I was like, you are freaking me out, so I'm just changing the channel. I'm not looking at you anymore. I think really he should consider switching to caps. Yes. I think he's going to look worse in caps. That's you know, like, it's interesting. Well with all sorts of ears. The first year that Sky came out, they all wore caps in the podium they were like the cool nice rafa caps whatever and then the baseball hat thing happened and, and then they just been wearing them and they're hideous and stupid and non-cycling and the problem is that now rafa's leaving and i'll bet you they're gonna end up with somebody like endura or uh, who knows santini or something and what do they do they do the exact same crap although actually no not really who who supplies oh no what's the name of that belgian company that uh does um Omega Pharma Quick Step or Quick Step Ethics Quick Step, whatever. Uh, they all wear caps, which is really, really good. They should all switch to caps. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. It really is. It's insane. I think in Sky they have the choice between the baseball hat and the caps. I don't. What universe does he think that the <laughs> baseball hat? You know, <laughs> I. I'm like. I think that need to have your like ears protected or something when you're at the podium. I don't get it. He lives in another universe, of course, but most okay. pros do. That's just the thing that most pros aren't cycling fans. They don't give a shit about like cycling etiquette or cycling history or anything. They're like these people have been working their asses off away from normal society their whole life basically since they were little kids so they they don't know what the hell's going on i i'm pretty sure that if you told them like dude you should wear this cap like why why is that nobody wears that dude i listen to usher and he doesn't wear those is usher still a thing i don't know sure <laughs> i don't know who who is a thing nowadays i don't know <laughs> what's the name of the guy from the sprite commercial again that this Sprite commercials and and the Canadian dude that did uh, that was in um, the grassy junior high, yeah Drake is he a thing? Yes. Drake, there you go. Well, I listen to Drake and he doesn't wear these silly cotton caps. I want to wear a baseball hat. I actually don't know if they have a choice with the podium caps nowadays. I think the sponsor might decide that they should wear. Yeah. I have I don't a feeling it's because it's so visible. The logo is so visible on a cap on a hat. On a hat. Or what do we call it? Oh. Yeah. Um, 
But I also think, uh, and this is totally just me speculating, but I think it was Wiggins who was like, we're wearing caps. We're wearing like cycling caps, like, like cyclists. I hope so. I hope that it was him, but it didn't last long. And Cav used to do it too. Yeah. And, and I mean, like I said, it ethics, all the guys, all the guys do that. So. But speaking of Pretty podium cool. protocol, Dan, didn't you post a picture of Froome? Yes. Holy guacamole. I'm so, so I am so glad you reminded me of that. Chris Froome pulled a hover hand on Daniel Martin. And that is absolutely mind-blowing because as most of us, I mean, as, as we all know, most hover hands happen because I don't dare touch this hot lady, so I'm just gonna. So either Chris Froome thinks that Daniel Martin and his crooked teeth and are hot, A, or B, he doesn't think that Daniel Martin is worthy of his touch. Maybe Dan Martin was really sweaty. Oh, and he was kind of the gross thing. That's a good C. Yeah, so A, B, or C. I don't know. Let's have a poll. <laughs> Let's do a Twitter poll. Wow. Do it. Do it. No, I'm not, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care about Twitter. I don't. I, whatever. <laughs> and I, I, number one, I don't care that much about Twitter. Number two, I really give two shits what people think it is. It's just, it blew my mind that a professional at any level, I mean, that an adult would pull a hover hand. I will, uh, maybe I'll use that as the image for the, for the episode. Uh, it, it, it was... Can you, also use the, can you also use the term invisible racing? Because I really like that. Invisible racing? Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll make sure I do that. Uh, no, no more trademarks. It's always trademarks, you people. I think it could be the, the okay. slogan for the entire podcast. Just trademark or invisible racing? Wait, which one? Invisible racing. Oh, invisible racing. Because <laughs> we're usually talking about nonsense. We're usually talking yeah, about stuff. Shit. I, I mean, we've, we've gone, we've done like 20, 25 minutes before on races that we didn't even watch. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else though on the, on the Dauphiné, Natalia? I think I, like, I have to remember, was Van Poppel in this one? Eh... Uh, Oh, should I just... No, you I remember when they, there was like, this stage when they were taking a crazy turn? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That was the Tour de Suisse. Yeah, yeah. That was okay. the Tour de Suisse. And did you hear that he that got... Okay. But he got he got uh, fined for that. Yeah, it's just that Andre Greipel did another Twitter poll. Shouldn't Andre Greipel be out, like, training or something? <laughs> Instead of doing so yeah, many he polls. Was watching the game of Germany too. Oh Let's yeah. Deutschland. Deutschland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, hey, speaking oh, of oh, speaking oh. of that, did you watch the Colombia Peru game? A couple of days ago. Oh my God! I almost died of a heart attack during that game. I swear to you, I was so upset during the second half. Like, no, no, it is not. No, let's not talk about it. Are you worried about Argentina? I'm very worried about Argentina. Yeah, I don't, I don't, don't, don't think, I, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't oh. want to talk about it because we have, we have Chile and Chile pretty much did whatever they wanted with Mexico. So. No, we have Argentina and they then... coming in hot and high. Well, Argentina is playing the U.S. like 
Ten minutes, I guess. Uh, yeah. No, wait, 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 wait. Is it Colombia, Argentina? Is it uh, oh, U.S., Argentina, Colombia, Chile? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Well, anyway, hey, what else, Dauphiné? No more soccer. I don't have any more notes. Okay. Dauphiné. Those were my ideas. Mike. Oh no! I have another no. one. This is like, oh, like <laughs> Do you know why Aru's helmet is different to the other Athenians? Because his head is too big, and they had to make a custom helmet. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, the colors. No, I have no idea. I mean, a lot of guys like just wearing the different colors because they want to be like super cool or something. It's completely retarded, but okay, okay. Um, just that the helmet is a very important part for me to pick who everyone is. Yeah. And then I couldn't kind of like, it took me a while to like, okay, why helmet, Astana, thingy, who are you? Oh, Aru. Yeah, well, he has the, is the Sardinian, he has a Sardinian flag on it. That's why it's like white with the red oh. cross. But, uh, but I don't know why he gets to do that and other dudes in the team don't. I'm not really sure. Okay, whatever. Okay, yeah. Okay, that's it. <laughs> uh, all right, so Mike, anything to say about the, about the Dauphiné? No, that was it. Okay. Now, we move on to the Route de Sud. Uh, Nairo Quintana attacked in the first stage and got in a breakaway. <laughs> I just think that's, I think that is brilliant and awesome. And if Nairo wasn't such a serious dude, I would think he totally did it as a joke. But he probably did it to like kind of lay down the law. Like, listen, assholes, I'm here to win this race. All right, so I'm gonna attack on the first stage, a flat stage, and you're gonna have to deal with it. I just absolutely loved it. But then I thought, like, maybe he's not actually here for the GC. But then he goes in, like, totally smashes the time trial two days later. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. However, however, I think that his movie star is kind of cheating because <laughs> that race is, like, I mean, it's like a bunch of, like, tiny little teams. It's not, like... It's not. It's not like a real race. You know what I mean? Like, if you if you win in like the Dauphiné is one thing, right? But if you win against like Caja Rural and like you know team, it's like teams like that. Then what 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 is that? That's not that's not impressive. Especially if you have friggin' Nairo Quintana in your team. You know what I mean? It's like you can't you can't have that, dude. You can't have the Pittsburgh Steelers come to like like a high school and then smash him and everybody be like yeah Pittsburgh Steelers rule like dude you can't do that that's so I, I think it was a little kind of cheating of them to do I mean whatever they're not cheating of course obviously for whatever reason he wanted to do that as opposed to another race I'm yeah I mean totally I'm I'm, I'm totally done with that I understand but uh, but I don't think that we should necessarily judge Quintana's form based on this the one thing that i must say is that that time trial that he won was the first time trial he has won in his professional career uh and it wasn't yeah maybe that's exactly maybe that's why he went he wanted to see this time trial somehow suited or it was similar to one in the tour de france or whatever and this was not a a, a mountain time trial by any means it was uh pretty I was I was I was impressed with his with his performance uh, during the time trial. But okay, here you go. I have the 
the teams that were there. Well, Movistar, AG2R, Cofidis, Caja Rural, Direct Energy, uh, Delco Marseille, Provence, KTM, FDJ, Fortunio, Villa, uh, Vital Concepts, Villier Triestina, uh, Sterling Service Group, Gazprom, HP, BTP, Albert 93, Arme de Terec, the, the, the army team from France where they were the camo, uh, Radio Popular Boavista from Portugal, and Euskadi, the like third division Basque country team. So, you know, I mean, it's not like there wasn't like no Lotto, Bellisol, no, you know, not even Katusha, nothing. So, you know, the only thing, the only teams they really had to deal with hard was like AG2R, Coffees, and FDJ maybe, but that's about it. So I'm just saying he looked awesome. He looked great, but mm, we'll see. We'll see. Hugh McCarthy. I had an interview with... Go. Nora Messinger, sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. about the time prior from Quintana. Yeah. So, Laura, Laura Messinger, or Messinger, I don't know how you pronounce that. Messinger. Anyway, she was interviewing him after the time trial, and he was telling her that they were rehearsing with the new time trial bike. Apparently, this is the first time that he has this new time trial bike. And he told her that it is absolutely perfect. You know, like, it feels... Like, this is it. So maybe that contribu contributed to him maybe. being so good on the bike. So he likes his new time trial bike, and he thinks that it's just, like, perfect. And she also asked him, it's like, when was the last time that you went on a breakaway? You know, like, that was kind of amazing. And then he laughed and then started, you know, like, looking at the horizon. Like, let me see. <laughs> <laughs> maybe five <laughs> years ago. And, and he said, oh, it was fun. It was fun. And it was it was really interesting to see how the body was going to respond today after the effort. No, like this is after the time trial. So he wanted kind of like I put my nose to the wind pretty much all day yesterday. So I was curious to see how the legs were going to react in the time trial today and everything good and whatever. So I think that maybe he just was using this race to like try things, you know, like test yeah. little things here and there, but who knows? I don't know. It, it's it, it's difficult, though, I think, to... I mean, obviously, none of us know exactly what the right path to the Tour de France is, preparation-wise. The path to go to the Tour de France is pretty easy. You go to the airport and jump in a plane. But, I mean, to get there as an athlete, um, it's it's got to be difficult. I would think... I mean, people usually go either the Tour de Suisse or the Dauphiné route. Going to, like, a, what would be considered an easier race, let's say. Like uh, like the Route de Sud, it's interesting. I don't know. It's 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 harder for me to know where he stands, but maybe that's part of the thing. Maybe he didn't want to be racing right next to Contador and Froome and Richie Port. You know? Yeah, I think I think says especially if you want to try stuff. So like let's say that he did this giant effort the first day by going into breakaway, and then you just want to see what the consequences are going to be for a time trial, you know, like the next uh, stage. Yeah. If you go to a race and you have the other contenders, you have like this mental game that you have to perform. You know, like this kind of this thing, don't show weakness if you are competing yeah. against them, even if it's like one month in advance. So this little race, I think it gave him some sort of freedom in that respect, you know, like you didn't have to prove to anybody there that you, um, yeah. you know, like a contender. So yeah. it was interesting. It was interesting. It was just like, 
yeah, not definitely not the one of the usual paths that you will see. But yeah, yeah. it was nice. I mean, I was happy to see him in a breakaway. I was like, yeah, Nairo, let's go. It's so weird. It was so <laughs> weird. Um, oh, just in case uh, people missed it, Quintana won that. Uh, second was Mark Soler, also from Movistar. Uh, young kid, like 21 or 22 years old. He just won the Tour de l'Avenir. Who who else has won the Tour de l'Avenir? Uh, Nairo Quintana. <laughs> oh, and um, um, Chavez as well. Nicolas Ede was third, which it shouldn't have been Nicolas Ede. Actually, third should have been Hugh McCarthy. And in the last stage, he uh, he had a crash and ended up 22nd. He went from third to 22nd. Uh, an amazing young talent is uh, used to ride for the Rafa Sharp or whatever it was called, um, Continental team, and now rides for Caja Rural. He is amazing. He's he was offered a deal by uh, Sky and he turned it down which is ridiculous, but he said he doesn't want to go to the top, if you will, before he's ready. So he's racing for Caja Rural and doing a really, really good job. He looked amazing during that race. So um, that's all I have for Rude Sud. Mike, you've been quiet. I did not see this race. Is it, is it because you hate France? I love France. Oh, then, then how come you didn't see it then? I don't think I was. I think I'm I busy, missed maybe busy, busy person. You were you were busy doing what? Really busy. <laughs> I'm sure you were. <laughs> um, okay, let's see. Unless Natalia has anything else to say. Nope. Okay, so we move on to the Tour de Suisse, uh, which was won by Superman Lopez, Yonis Aguirre. What? That's what all the people next to the road were yelling when the cyclist passed oh. nearby. Hope, 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 <laughs> hope, 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 hope. That was pretty cool. <laughs> Miguel Angel Lopez is his name. And you know, it's funny. Okay, so in names in, in Latin America and in Spain, it's interesting. You, have a, you always have a first name and you always have a middle name. Well, 99% of the people. There's a few people here and there that don't have middle names. Now, some people go by both names. And some people only go by their first name. Some people only go by their second name. Like Esteban Chavez. Esteban is not really his first name. It's his middle name. Miguel Ángel is one that people go by both names. Uh, Jose Alejandro, Juan Pablo. There's a whole bunch of names that you use both names as a first name. So his name is Miguel Ángel López. Not Miguel López. Not Ángel López. But Miguel Ángel López. There you go. Explanation. Uh, and his nickname is Superman, of course. And Yonis Aguirre was second. And it's Aguirre with an E at the end. Why does Eurosport continue to say it's Aguirre? What the hell? It's not French. Anyway, Warren Bargui was third. Um, Harlinson Pantano. Not Jarlinson. Harlinson Pantano. And Andrew Talansky was fifth. Stages by Cancellara. Two by Sagan. Richese, the Argentine. Atapuma, finally. Although that stage should have been in the... <laughs> that stage should have been in the Giro. Uh, the old man Peter Wiening that is still around, it's crazy. Now we're racing for Rompot. Uh, Van Garder in seventh. Uh, Yonis Aguirre is uh, eighth 
stage and then the last stage was Harlinson Pantano. Now, I'm going to tell you something about Harlinson Pantano that is very, very, very interesting. The day before the Tour de Suisse started, um, my brother and I were chatting, as we often do, on the phone. And, you know, after taking care of the usual BS, we started talking about cycling and how I am cycling is dissolving and where are all these guys going to go. We started going through the roster and we're like, it's a pretty shitty roster. And Klaus was like, I wonder where, what Colombian team Pantano is going to end up in because nobody's going to pick him up. I mean, he hasn't really done anything this season. I think he heard us. He had an amazing Tour de Suisse. Ridiculous. Not only did he finish fourth but and win a stage, but I mean, during the whole time he was there and, as they say, or thereabouts. Unbelievable. I was very, very happy to see him. That guy has a million. If people think that Chavez has a million-dollar smile, Pantanos is even better when he actually smiles, whereas Chavez is always smiling. But anyway, I was very happy to see that. Very, very happy. And then, obviously, that Atapuma finally got his stage that was owed to him by the Giro d'Italia and it took Switzerland to actually pay for it so yeah oh do you know what else too I just wrote this down I, I do have notes for the Tour de Suisse uh, Dutch Eurosport has a woman commentator that's it cool. yeah. do you know their name? no I don't know Dutch woman I don't know <laughs> okay. I don't know I didn't what? I was just, no, I was, I was switching to channel. Oh, listen, if I told you like, oh, the Dutch Eurosport has a dude that sounds super raspy and you're like, what's his name? I'm like, I don't know, raspy dude. Raspy Uh, Dutch guy. I don't know, like raspy Dutch guy. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't know because she's a woman. I'm saying I don't know because I heard it for about 30 seconds when I realized, oh, I don't want his feed because it's not in a language I can understand. So, but it was, it was a woman. Yeah. Um... So, yeah. So, yeah. Mm, oh, did you see that Matthias Brandl did a willy when he got caught? Yep. And cause he, he lost seven minutes in 7K of climbing. <laughs> That's amazing. He started the climb seven minutes ahead. And, and in 7K, he was doing a willy. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Uh, do you have anything to say about the Tour de Suisse, either of you guys? Mike, you've been awfully quiet. I know, I don't. <laughs> no, no, he's saving himself for the Philadelphia bike race. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we got to get to, so. He's all his thoughts about it, because he was on a mission. I asked him to pick the three kids that he liked better on the road, you know, like in the wild. So I'm really looking forward to hearing oh, boy. his thoughts, but. Okay. Before that, yeah, no. Tour de Suisse, I'm happy. I think I have superpowers because in the last podcast, I said that I really, really, really wanted Atapuma and Pantano to win a stage in a world race. And guess what happened? And they Tour both the did. They both did. They both got it. Yeah. Got it. I don't mean to scare anybody, but you know, like this podcast does give some superpowers. Remember when? Dan said that now that Sagan is doing mountain biking, maybe he's going to get injured, and Sagan did. He did and crash. fell from his bike but doing mountain biking, so uh, I'm, 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 I don't the, want to claim anything, but no, it's let the, people know like that. It's the dark arts. It's the dark arts. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So yeah, it was nice to see at the Puma. And I have to say that uh, at some point in that stage, I thought that TJ Van Gardering was kind of chasing and I was yelling so hard at him. I mean, if there was <laughs> a device for a scream to go through the screen directly to the person that is being directed, I think I was close to make it happen. <laughs> I was like, why? You know, like, what the hell? But anyway, and, and I have a question regarding that. Did you know why TJ blew up again? No. I don't know what happened to him. He was like doing good and then good. of course and then, there's something. And then, then he blows up and then he recovers. And then yeah. he goes and says, yeah, yeah, I made a mistake, but I don't know what the mistake okay. was. And I didn't like look. Yeah, I don't, it, that's another, I think Van Garderen is like kind of like a Richie Port type, even though they're completely different. The reason that they are similar is different. I think that uh, it's one of those guys that is like almost, but he's never going to make it but because Van Garderen has that tendency to just have a bad day, you know, and Richie Port is a completely different thing. He doesn't have a bad day. He just has okay days, you know, but um, um, Kirienka is a a robot he really is and and i mean really i mean what are we humanity right the, the human race in this planet what are we the most afraid of other than zombies because that's you know of course the thing that but second to zombies is robots and that's why i think that vasily kiryanka should not be allowed to procreate we <laughs> One of these days, you laugh, but one of these days, we're going to be, like, ruled by a, a race of Kiryankas, like, shocking us with their, like, fork hands whenever we don't do the, the work they ask us to do. We're going to be slaves to Kiryankas. He, that guy is insane. He is unfreaking believable Un-fucking-believable. I hope that Skies are, Sky are paying him a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Any particular uh, moment in the race that made you have this realization? Uh, I don't know. Pretty much the whole race, because by the time I jotted it down, was towards the end of the race. But I wouldn't jot that down just because of something that he did in one stage. But I mean, this is this has been going on for the last I don't know five years or whatever. This guy, he's a machine. He is truly a machine. His face is always just straight out, like just concentrated and just just the way that he pedals his shoulders never move it's 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 amazing and borderline creepy because he's okay. a robot and they're gonna take over dude have you watched terminator that movie like dude skynet he is skynet i think kirienka is skynet that's okay. all i'm gonna say i will look that up and what do you mean you're gonna look that up you don't know skynet terminator uh, Mike, help me out here, Mike. You're right. You're 100% right. We have to do it Andre Greipold poll. So, okay, so there was the crazy corner, 100 meters to the finish, when Van Poppel uh, saved his yeah. like, self from like doing like this crazy maneuver. And then Andrew Greipel took to Twitter and he asked the following to the masses. Does cycling need a corner 100 meters to the finish in a full speed bunch sprint? Yes or no? Give me your percentages. I think that most people are gonna be like, no, it's dangerous. Yeah, yeah. 
Who cares, first of all? Second, actually, who cares about cycling? You know, let's talk about something else. <laughs> no. Is Andre Greipel a Twitter troll? Yes. <laughs> and he actually, like, somebody said that. They did a, they answered with, like, uh, something is like, cry, baby troll, cry. Like that. <laughs> that was me. Okay. <laughs> with a fake name, I guess. But, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, no. So, 84 percent of the followers of Andre Greipel said that cycling doesn't need a corner. Of course. To finish. And 60 percent say, of course, it does need that. So I think, yeah, I mean, I don't think it needs it or doesn't need it. It's just, you know, I mean, that's what it is. That's how the stage ends. If you think it's too dangerous, then guess what? Don't freaking sprint for that one. You know, I mean, if, if that would be like asking, like, does Cycling need a 12-kilometer first category climb to the finish of a stage. And people are going to be like, well, no, we wish it was all flat so I could always win. It's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. I mean, is it dangerous? Yes. Is it more dangerous? Yes. But uh, whatever, dude. I mean, between that and Daniel Martin, psh, cry me a river. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There you go. There you go. I keep an eye out for this because, like, oh my gosh, they discovered Twitter polls. This is going to be uh, interesting. Interesting. Oh. Interestingly annoying. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, but I thought that the, it was interesting that Van Poppel got fined for dangerous writing for doing what he did. He basically saved his own ass and a huge, a potentially huge crash, and he gets fined. But whatever. No good deed goes unpunished. So, there you go. As the Americans say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Natalia, that's all I have. What do you have? I don't have any more. I have women's notes for the two races I want to talk about. Okay, one let's, is the let's do it. Cycling Classic, and the other one is the Aviva Women's Tour. And both of them are World Tour races. So. Okay, cool. Let's do Philly, Philly first. A bunch of people were there. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, our, our good yeah. friend Christian was there, and Mike was there, and I guess everybody that was there was there, like yeah. people from Philadelphia, so I guess. I'm going to start by saying that this is one of my favorite events of the World Tour because they, they have the women's and the men's race, but the highlight of the day is the women's race. So it's not usually women, the women race first, and then the guys come in. In this case, it's reverse. So you got the really, you know, like amount of people is supposed to be larger for the main event than for the other one. So that's, that's pretty cool. And that's well, that I'm going to tell you, I, I, I think, I think, I think the reason that that happens is because you're talking about Philadelphia, a city uh, whose sports teams are so shitty, people go out to see cycling. Oh, zing! <laughs> Wow, Zingarama, ding, 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 jang, guru, guru, ba, ah, ooh, ooh. No, it's not. What? No, I mean, I, I know people still go out to see cycling. That's a fact. And Philadelphia has a lot of really shitty teams. That's a fact as well. Okay, Pittsburgh person, but hey, I'm not. I'm not. This is not coming from a Pittsburgh person. This is just coming from a person that knows what winning. I mean, Stanley Cups or Lombardi trophies. Or that baseball trophy with the little flags or whatever. I mean, you know too much. You know too much. Okay. Okay. So the podium <laughs> at the Philly Cycling Classic was 
first was Megan Guarnier from Bolt Saltman. She is the US champion and at that point was the World Tour leader. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she also won the Tour of, of California. So, I mean, unstoppable. She raised the Tour of California, raised the Nationals, raised the Philly Cycling Classic, and won three of them. So that's pretty cool. So she was first. Then second, we had Elisa Longo Borghini from Wiggle Hi-Fi. But the announcer decided that she wasn't going to be called Elisa Longo Borghini. She was going to be called Elsa Borghini Longo. <laughs> that was painful. That was painful. I was like, really? Wait, what was the... Read what you have in your freaking paper. What was the commentator's name? Um, uh, uh, Phil Liggett? No, no, no. No, no, no. This was an announcer. This wasn't... Oh, I have a news from the commentating team. But we'll get to that. Okay, so that was second. And then the third one was Alena Amiliasuk from the Canyon SRAM team, and she is from Belarus. Uh, and when she was getting in the podium, again, the same announcer was so shocked. He, he was, oh, a Belarusian. Must be, you know, like the first time that a Belarusian is on a podium here at Philly. Except she was on the podium last, last year. year. <laughs> was like, oh, my God. Wait, wait, wait. No, it, you know what I'm thinking now is this Belarusian is probably friends with Kirienka, which means she's probably also a robot. Oh, boy. In the peloton. Okay. Okay. I can tell you, I watched this race, and I want to ask you, um, what's the name of the woman that won? I'm sorry, I forgot her name again, the U.S. champion. Megan Guarnier. I should know this by now, but her jersey that she was wearing, you know, as leader of the thing, I thought it was pretty ugly. I think that it should be a lot nicer a lot more uh, make a lot bigger of a statement like dude she's friggin leading the whole shebang bangs it looked like a jersey you can buy at like rei i don't know that's it, all i have to it say is, it is something yeah and it is a shame because last uh, year when the the world cup for women was uh, the thing you know like the thing that evolved into the world Cup race yeah they have it is slap and then actually come up with the designs of the jerseys for that and they had the leader the young you know, like the under 23 mm -hmm. jersey i think they had the sprint and the mountains too and the designs that slap in the deal they, they were pretty neat they were pretty cool i don't have the, the, the link here just to show you but yeah going from that to the one that is you know like that they are wearing now it was kind of a downer for me yeah it's, it's just like duh they were like seriously <laughs> and it's funny because they ask hey, armistead uh, she was wearing it for a while and they asked her like do you care about you know like defending that jersey or something and she's like eh, i like one that looks better you know like i have one that looks better than this one. <laughs> oh boy it's good for defending <laughs> yeah, your rainbow of course is much better but yeah it was kind of a shame i really like the the jerseys that slap and jersey sign so yeah, yeah. Uh, i don't think she did it this time yeah this 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 jersey is kind of eh. they were trying to you know like get people to buy it and I'm like eh, as much as I want to support the cause I'm not buying that jersey because I I'm not going to wear it so come up with other design if you mm -hmm. want me to spend my money on that so but yeah I agree with that yeah, yeah. Uh, what else do I recall from that race I didn't take notes but uh, I remember being like wow this is actually pretty fun pretty good race um, it is interesting though and even the commentators were talking about how in women's racing there's hardly ever 
a breakaway that gets, you know, five, six, seven minutes. Usually the Peloton is constantly keeping or, or, or usually keeps the breakaways at a short distance, which if you're in the Peloton, it just, it's got to suck. You're just like constantly working to bring this. But I guess usually they're shorter stages. So Jesus, I don't know, man. Yep. That's, that's pretty much how it works. And it's nice because when a breakaway sticks, it's usually towards the end of the race and you have all the big hitters in the breakaway. So yeah. <laughs> it is, it is pretty neat. It's pretty neat. But yeah, I think it is a it is a consequence of the distance and the number of riders they get. Because the teams are smaller than the men's uh, in the races, and the distances, of course, are smaller too. So that I think creates a little bit of uh, more aggressiveness in the race. But yeah. Who knows? Uh, Mike, how how was your weekend down there? That was great. It was a lot of fun. Uh, like Natalia said, the the main event is the women's race, and we showed up towards the end of the men's race, and there were, you know, people watching, but it didn't have a, a vibe or a feel of anything big that was happening, and then all of a sudden, the women got ready, and crowds came out, and it was just a huge, huge event, so it was really good to see. That's cool. That's cool. Okay, Mike, give me the kids. All right. You I like the most. I studied this very closely. Okay. I did a lot of research. You didn't. I did. No, I did. I walked over to where the women were getting ready, basically oh. getting dressed. <laughs> oh boy! Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna go in reverse order. Okay. So the third, my third favorite kit, and and this is not just a kit review. This is an entire like team car, bike, kit, look on the bike, how the team looks. This is a total overall review. Oh, I love it. I love it. So the third place team is Astana. It looks great. The kit, it's the Astana kit. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, whatever. It's 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 not a great kit, but it's the Astana kit, and it looks. Yeah. Really I mean, rough. even their soccer team has the exact same kit. I mean, yeah, not a so cycling kit, cool. but the same it was colors. It's cool to see, like the Astana, the whole thing, the car, everything, just there on a street in Philly. Um, okay. Their bikes, they ride these Quota bikes, and they the, the colors aren't exactly right. I was a little disappointed that the colors didn't match perfectly, but whatever. Um, I, don't, I guess the women have a different. Equipment sponsor. What color? What color were the bikes though? Were they like also teal? Like it that? wasn't quite teal. Oh, okay. It wasn't quite the yeah, like the bright yellow. It was this like deeper yellow. So you just looked at it and you're like, eh, it's not quite right. Ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha. They didn't get the Pantone chips in time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second, the runner-up team is the Canyon Tram team. The um, kits are great. Kits are designed by Rafa, as yeah. everyone probably knows by now. The I really like those. Canyon. The bikes are even better than the kit. The bikes are baller. Um, just because the, they have the same design, that, that wraparound, like motion color design mm -hmm. that the kit has, but it's on the bike. And then the Canyon logo is in white, and it just completely pops out. You can see it during the race. It's highly visible, super effective design. Whoever designed those bikes did a great job. Uh, and they're cool. They're just cool looking bikes anyway, no matter what color yeah. they are. But they're extra cool in this kit. I really, I really dig that that kit in general. But what I've always thought, or always since the first time I saw it earlier this year, was that um, it's a really cool kit that I would wear. But when you're on the road, and when I was actually watching it on TV, because it's mostly black, it kind of gets lost in the. It does. The kit does. No thanks. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's awesome uh, up close. It's awesome, and the placement of the logos in the jersey and stuff is really, really cool. Yeah, 
And then number one, the exact opposite of that is the Ale Cipollini. <laughs> <laughs> the exact opposite. So everything was perfect. Everything. Pantones on fleek. Everything. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> and the bikes and everything. Yeah. Made yes. And they were like those, the, the everything looked brand new it was blinding like they came around the corner to go to the start line and you were just like holy crap you know i just because just because there's fluo in something and it's freaking bright as hell does not necessarily mean that it's a bad design i think that there is uh, i mean i don't think that this is a ugly design do they still have the little grape things on it the little grapes on the jersey you know oh they still do Or let that look like bubbles or I I I think it looks like blisters or boils to me. But um, but if if you like forget that, I mean they're straightforward. They do have way too many logos, but that's obviously not anybody's fault. It's just the way that things are. But um, I like their I like their their kit quite a bit, and very obviously they're super easy to pick. On TV, so to pick out, so that's definitely good. Um, what what about their bikes? Are they riding? They were they were riding um, the black and orange ones last year. Are they still riding that? No, they're like neon. Oh, really? Oh, that's so awesome. And the rims are, have the neon orange too. So. Yeah, oh. you see the team car come by with all the bikes on top, and you're just like, oh my god! So <laughs> you're like, I'll bet you they're from Italy. <laughs> good job mike i'm very proud i'm very proud of your observations i have a question for you too if you could change one thing to the canyons ram kit what would it be if you want to make it like let's say not to so it doesn't get lost because it happens with that that kit and the wiggle high five that is completely black both of them you know like if you're trying to pick out riders it's really hard sometimes it's like is this a wiggle high five or is this a canyons ramp If you could just change one thing, what would that be? Yeah, I mean, seeing how well the white Canyon logo works on the bike, I would probably figure out a way, just a way to get more white into the graphic without, without altering. I mean, I understand the design. I understand where it came from, but figuring out a way to get just some more light color in there would work. I think it it could work. It would have to be done right. I don't know. Listen, I mean, as a designer, I can tell you this. Sometimes it's just better to start from scratch. Even if you're very, very close, it's probably better to start from scratch. And I think this would be one of the things where I would just probably start from scratch. Oh, I just looked at the bikes. Okay, so they're riding. The Cipollinis are black with orange highlights. And the, yes, the, the deep dish wheels are black with orange, huge orange logos. <laughs> it is awesome. I love it. It is great. And I think it's awesome, by the way, that Mario Cipollini is involved in women's cycling at all. I love it. <laughs> okay, so time to play the game. Oh boy! I'm going to give you, yeah, no, no, we are going to. I'm going to give you uh, some lines that I got from the commentating team. This is different to the announcer guy, so I had like three of them. So I'm just going to go through the ones that are related to the like, race uh, action, and then I have two that are regarding you know, like identifying who was in the in the race so i'm going to start with the first chunk and i want you to give me a situation other than bike racing with these things could apply oh boy okay okay okay. so i'm just going to start slow so first one says 
writers taking inventory at the back, trying to figure out what they are going to do. <laughs> Anal sex. No. What? Because they're taking inventory from the back. Like, hey, what am I going to do? Dude, think about it. When you're, when you're like, not you, but I mean, if some, if some dude is like standing there, like sizing a lady from the back, he's like, hey, what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, other thoughts? I don't, I can't talk that. Okay. Next. Almost like a government mandated break. Like a what mandated break? Government. Oh, mandated break. Like a government mandated break. Oh, I know, I know. Probably some kind of union thing where, like, you have to take a break. Like, when you worked at McDonald's, actually. When I worked at McDonald's, I, we had to take a break. It was actually legal that um, you had to take a break every so often if you were under the age of 18, and I had to do that. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Smoke break. Yep. Do you take government mandated breaks, too, Mike? Kind of? Yeah. All the time when you want to go smoke, Mike. I'm on one right now. <laughs> You're vaping. <laughs> okay. It is getting angry towards the front end. Uh, front end. I can't think of anything else that has a front end that is made of humans that could potentially be angry. Maybe. Oh, you know what? Snow like a dog sledding. When you have like eight dogs and you're like, ah, and then the two dogs in the front are like getting angry at each other. How about a beehive? Oh, a beehive. That's good too. Okay, good, good. There is a pop right there on the left. Uh, that's when you uh, have a boil in your uh, left leg and you tell the doctor there, there's a pop there in the left leg. And the boil pops and pus flies all over the place. I thought you said pop. No. No, P-O-P. Sorry. There is a pop right there on the left. Well, the pub would work as well. Like, hey, dude, do you know where I can get a pint? There's a pub right there on the left. (laughs) Okay. Better. The other one is, she is setting a false tempo. The false tempo thing is very, very cycling. I can't, it's such an inside cycling term. That I can't really think of anywhere else where I would I would use it. Dancing with the stars. There you go. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> bonus points for Mike. <laughs> wait, wait. Why are those bonus points? What about my boil? Because I won. I was already winning. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if you are not in this group, those panic bells better be ringing loud and clear in your ears right now. Uh, I think that when you are, when you don't accept our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because if you're not in that group of people that believe in Jesus and accept Jesus in their heart, then the bells are ringing in your ear and they're ringing loud because if you don't accept Jesus Christ, then you're going to go to hell. Nothing? Crickets? Yeah, I don't know. Mike? What is it if you're not in this group? If you are not in this group, those panic bells better be ringing loud and clear in your ears right now. You better repent. Exactly. I can only, no, I can only think of like trying to get on the subway or something. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't make it on this, Man. Oh, I'm stuck. Okay. Oh, Such a cosmopolitan my God. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. And uh, don't turn around. There is nothing good that can come from behind. I think that's actually sexist, homophobic, and ignorant. Because there is many people all around the world, different races, creeds, and sexes that like things, some things coming from behind. Okay. Just gonna say that. I mean, I, 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 some things coming from behind may be okay to some people. Maybe some people like that. I would think, have you guys seen the video of the cats with the cucumbers and they go and they see the cucumber and they freak out? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I think. Oh, you're, cucumbers. you're afraid of a cucumber coming from behind? Yes. No. <laughs> the cats are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then this is the this is like the, the, the one that tops them all for me. Finds herself in the spot that every woman dreams of, but every woman dreads. Being on this podcast. <laughs> This one had me thinking. I was, like, I was wondering, I was like, man, what art is that? I would say, I mean, maybe, maybe the altar before you get married. Because you, you dream about it, but then when you're there, you're like, oh, shit, I picked the wrong dude. Actually, you know what? My wife, my wife was probably right in that spot. She was like, I've been dreaming about getting married my whole life, and now I'm standing here in this altar, and I do not want to go through with this. <laughs> What was wrong with me? <laughs> no, that was my favorite. Out of all the ones that I kind of took note, like jot down, that was like, okay, yeah, this is number one. When did you realize these commentating, these, these uh, commentation? What, I don't even know what the word is. Uh -huh. It sounded ridiculous. The oh, it was just funny. I commentary. Just, okay, would this line would work in other situations that is not you know, related to cycling? Right. And would like mislead you to think then it's not. These things were like, oh, yeah, right there. And they turn hyperbolic too. You know, like they use the one that says, suffering the thousand dead. Yeah. And then afterwards, literally. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you need to turn it down a notch. Because like, that cannot happen. So, yeah, not being so dramatic. I, I get it. I get it. You're excited. You're like, you're like you are. On the go is nice, but yeah, you cannot say. It. Yeah, I remember the dying, dying a thousand deaths. The dying a thousand yeah. deaths I heard, and I was like, ah, oh, right, chill. I have other ones that are just as funny when they were trying to like say who the writers were that were being shown on the screen. So <laughs> one that I have is like, that's Mara Abbott, unless it's Longo Borghini. <laughs> <laughs> And this was funny because if you look at the build of Mara Abbott and the build of Longo Borghini, it's like, yeah. how are you going to confuse those two? It's not, yeah. And the other one that I really like was, is that Chantal Black? Perhaps. <laughs> they like moved to something else. And it's funny because it was a frontal shot of Caroline Canul. And it was like, pretty much her face was covering like 50% of the, of the screen. It was like close up. <laughs> Natalia. And the other thing is, like, Black was not even competing. I mean, and I was like, okay, this is, this is funny. You know, like, so well, that's what they said, maybe. Like, check who was there or not. I mean, if you like Chantal Black, you are entitled to like Chantal Black. 
if you think that she's going to be in the race, might as well just go check and see if the name is there. Just, just to make sure that if you think you see her, there's <laughs> a chance that it's actually her. But yeah, this was just like, eh, maybe. Okay, let's move on. Like, nobody knew that the one, you know, like driving the pace was Carol Ann. But I'm like, listen, <laughs> Natalia, what, they, what those people need is you there. They, uh, yeah. yeah, that's what they need. They need somebody who actually knows what the hell they're talking about. They can talk about strategy and they know all the TV BS. But when it comes to actually knowing the girls, their style, their sizes, uh, what teams they've been in, all the important shit, they need you. Hey, listen, guys, we've been going like way, 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 way over. Natalia, that other race, can you do it like super quick? Yeah, just a second. Because that, that actually, I encourage everybody to go and check the highlight videos and stuff because this is... Well done. I mean, this race is good in terms of organizing the quality of things that they have out there. So you just Google Aviva's uh, Women's Tour and then you're going to get it. The commentating team is awesome for this one. They really know what was going on. I mean, Were you in it? Like Polish. I was fishing for, you know, like, okay, I'm going to start, you know, like fishing funny commentary from these races. Men, like zero, got silch. They were like super, super Polish and they knew what they were Talking about, of course, because, you know, like, the commentating, one of the commentating persons was Sarah Connolly. You know, oh, the, yes. The, the Bible of women's cycling. So it was, like, super, super nice. Wait, Sarah Connor from Terminator? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Connor. <laughs> Sarah Connolly. When she's Sarah done finishing, when she's, when yeah. she's finished uh, killing Kirienka and all the other Belarusian ro- robots, <laughs> she goes and does some commentating. Yeah, she just got real. But, no, that was a good, a good race. So the, the the winner was Lizzie Admirstead from Bolt Dorfman. The second one was Ashley Mulman Pasio from Cervelo Vita. And the third was Elisa Longo Borghini, again from Wiggle uh, High Five. Ah. And it was great. It was great. If you want to go and see the videos that are posted somewhere in the internet, but it was it was nice. It was nice because they they had hilly stages, you know, like the writers last version were complaining that you know, like things are flat. This is kind of, you know, like boring. There is not a chance for us to like do something. Uh, Emma Johansson even said, if you make it harder, I'm not coming back. And boy, they delivered. You know, like they put some hill, hills in the stages. I mean, what they can do in that, in that area of the world. But it was pretty nice. And I have just one highlight that I want to tell you about because there was some drama in that initial sprint in the first uh, stage. There was some like kind of like shenanigans going on between Christine Majerus from Bolt Dosman and Marianne Voss from uh, Ravolive. And at, after the stage, they were interviewing Majerus and says, like, you know, like, they were saying that maybe you got in uh, Marianne Voss's line or something or other. What do you think? And she goes, just said, like, well, it is a sprint. And sprints are messy. If you don't feel comfortable, then maybe you shouldn't be doing sprints. Yes, like, Andre Greipel. Uh, yeah. yeah. Ask Andre Greipel. <laughs> In your face, Greipel. You know, like. <laughs> so, whew. yeah, that was, that, was, that was like the highlight of that. Like, she was like, tough. But hey, if you don't like it, nobody's forcing you to do it. Right? Like, that, that, that's how it is. You know, like real cold, you know, like maybe she's another road. Who knows? <laughs> but she's from Luxembourg. So, who knows? Yeah. And speaking, uh, speaking of highlights. Don't forget to look at, for the men's Philly race, uh, Chris Horner's epic bike toss. Oh, oh yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah. 
That one's actually really, really good. Uh, and, and actually, uh, the Aviva tour uh, you, you mentioned in that part of the world, it's basically just, I don't know, kind of like central England. If you, if you just think of like Manchester, Birmingham, and London, make a little bit of a triangle, let's say. It's like right in the middle of that, <laughs> where there's basically not many hills at all. Just yeah, just east of Birmingham is basically where they, they where they where the whole thing was around Nottingham and Northampton and that that area. Yep. Um, okay, guys, we've gone way over our a lot of time, but I figure last episode was only like half an hour, so this one is an hour and a half. So between the two of them, average an hour, and that's a beautiful thing. We're good. We're good on average. Yes. We absolutely need to have another podcast before the tour starts. If for no other reason, it'd be the shortest one. We're like, all right, who you guys think is going to win? Yeah. And, and, and that's that. So uh, when, does the, when does the tour start? July 2nd. The 2nd, is it? Yes, July 2nd. So we got to have one before July 2nd so that we can talk about the, uh, the Tour de France and celebrate the country's this, uh, America's birthday. Speedmetalcycling.com uh, at Speed Metal Cycle on Twitter and uh, info at speedmetalcycling.com. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Natalia, for making yourselves available and putting up with my dumb shit. We are out of here. Peace. <laughs>